Hello, friends. This is Katie Langston from the Enter the Bible podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. We're in the process of getting season four ready for an August release, but in the meantime, we wanted to re-release a few episodes into your feed. This one is the conversation we had back in season two with Professor John J. Collins, reflecting on the question, what does the Bible say about abortion? In light of the recent Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, we thought this would be a timely conversation to revisit. Enjoy. You know, it says in Genesis, increase and multiply and fill the earth. One of the loose ends that they forgot to put in is, you can stop now. Welcome to the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And we have as our special guest again today, uh, John J. Collins, who's the Holmes Professor Emeritus of Old Testament at Yale Divinity School uh, and uh, a preeminent uh, Old Testament scholar, author of many books and editor of many scholarly articles and uh, our uh, series and, and, and work. So very happy to have you with us here, John. Thank you again for joining happy us. Happy to be here. Yeah. So our question for today is a, a little provocative, but uh, we're hoping that it, it opens up uh, a larger conversation about uh, scripture and, uh, and, and contemporary uh, issues, particularly around uh, values uh, um, and, and uh, issues that, that uh, Christians disagree about. So uh, the particular issue that we're at least starting with is abortion. So the question uh, we've- Completely non-controversial. Completely totally non-controversial, easy, not in the news at all. conversation to have. <laughs> not, not in the news yes. at all. But uh, the question we wanna ask is, what does the Bible say about abortion? So, John. Well, actually, I can give what should be a very non-controversial answer to that. The Bible says nothing about abortion. Boom. And there you have it, folks. You heard it here first. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll call it a day. (laughs) Now, uh, okay, maybe you could uh, quibble with that and say that uh, Jeremiah and Job both, I think, say, uh, why didn't somebody kill me in the womb? Hmm. Yeah. So the concept was known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we have actually recipes for abortion from ancient Egypt from the second millennium BC. Yeah. So like it's po- potions like, that a woman could take. Oh, yes. Are uh, they like herbal oh, or were they like magic? Were they, were they oh, like oh, actual? They were, they were potions. Okay. 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 And now I wasn't too sure what some of the ingredients were, but I can well understand why somebody might want to take it, even sure. apart from the consequence of the abortion. It didn't seem like it would be a pleasant experience. Mm. Mm. But there is only one people in the ancient Near East that has a law against abortion, and that is the Assyrians. Mm. Really? Now, this, I think, is a surprise. You know, the Assyrians are known in the Bible for ripping open pregnant women. Huh. And of course, when they had a law against it, they didn't mean uh, 
that you can't, if you're an Assyrian soldier, you can't go in and rip open a pregnant woman somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they were speaking about their own society. And yeah. it was really, as many ancient laws were, more about the property rights of the father mm -hmm. than anything else. But still, it's remarkable that they were the only people who actually legislated on it. Huh. Now, what's really remarkable, though, I think, is just the silence. Mm. Now, when you get down to the Hellenistic period, or say to the New Testament times, Jews in the Hellenistic world were famous for opposition to exposing infants, which was uh, unfortunately a widespread practice. When you say exposing Hellenistic... infants, you mean like leaving them out in yes. to be ex into the elements to to die? Like that have, is that what that means? If you have a baby that you don't want, uh -huh. well, you know, I suppose you could have put it in a little boat and shipped it down the Nile, uh, which was done too. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's essentially what you said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But now, of course, there you're talking about babies. Sure. You know, which is different. Sure. You're talking about a fetus. Sure. But the, so that was, a, that was a much more common practice, right? The, that kind of infanticide, leaving an, uh, an infant out to the, uh, exposed to the elements. That's right. Uh, if you because don't want to. I, I imagine that abortion is a very dangerous procedure. Hmm. Now, that, in, that may be the main reason why they don't talk about it hmm. in the Bible. That it, it just wasn't common. It wasn't common enough. Because it, it was too dangerous. It, it doesn't seem to be totally unknown, as I say. You know, yeah. if somebody can say, why didn't they, you know, kill me in the womb? Yeah. They must have known that this was something that could be done, yeah. but it, well, does, it probably wasn't very common. Well, and you said uh, in an article you wrote about this, John, right, that, that um, it, it was very dangerous, of course, but also it was probably not uh, as likely that someone would seek an abortion because children were considered a great blessing, right? Yeah. And barrenness was, was a curse, uh, you know, so it, uh, it, 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 Children were mostly wanted, I suppose. Is I think one way that, to put it. that is true. And, and also, you see, you had a high mortality rate. Yeah. And even, you know, and especially in a rural society. Yeah. You want hands. Sure. You know, even right. in Minnesota. I think. <laughs> <laughs> true, you know? um, so uh, the, the, the presumption would normally be, I think, that you want children. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And children were regarded as a blessing. Yeah. And you just hope enough of them survive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. creates a very different context. Now, you begin to get um, laws against abortion and denunciations of abortion. Uh, really, I think from about the second century AD, just okay. after the biblical period. In, in church and, history, you mean and, in Christian yes, history? And, okay. And the, mm -hmm. Some of them uh, can be quite gruesome. Hmm. You know, the, the, it, uh, say in the, the kind of punishment designed for women who had abortions. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, in some of the apocalypses, the later apocalypses, like the apocalypse of Peter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, from a, a fairly early point, but again, you know, it's striking that this is something that arises in Christian literature 
from about the second century of the common era when really it wasn't there much before. Now, in the Apocalypse of John, they do talk about uh, people who use, who are pharmacoi. Now, I mean, that means who use drugs. Hmm. Now, but what do they mean? Did they, did, hmm. <laughs> they didn't have LSD, we presume. No drug dealers. <laughs> Some people think that that's referring to uh, uh -huh. you know, people who had drugs to perform abortions. But, you know, it, that's not at all certain. Okay. Yeah. Can I, so, can I go back for just a moment to something you said earlier that Hellenistic Judaism, uh, or that is Greek for those readers, uh, Greek influenced Judaism, yes. uh, Jews during the Greek empire, um, uh, that they uh, rescued infants that were uh, left to die. Huh. Is I that what you know, said? I, I didn't, that's not what I said, actually. Sorry. It's but that they, they say in their moral pronouncements uh, that would should not expose and they should say, not do that. I see. I see. Okay. That. Right. I see. Uh, I you see. know, one of the, the text that I wrote my dissertation on a lifetime ago is the third Sibylline Oracle, uh, which was a document written in Greek, obviously Jewish, but supposedly the utterances of the Sibyl, who was an ancient pagan goddess, although they make her out to be Noah's daughter-in-law. <laughs> and one of the things that she says with great insistence, you know, it's how wonderful these people descended from Abraham are, you know, and one of the things that they do not do is expose children. Uh, I see. I see. Okay. Interesting. Uh, another one is uh, have homosexual relations. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's also uh, one of the hot button issues mm -hmm. in, in Hellenistic Judaism. Uh, whereas, you know, it has a minimal presence in the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hangs on two verses. Right. Yeah. Right. So I can imagine. So so it's not in, not addressed in the Bible, abortion. Uh, it is addressed in some of these early Christian writings. So sec second yeah. century uh, and, and later. Yeah. I can imagine some of our listeners uh, who are pro-life saying, well, what about you know, you shall not murder in the uh, in the Ten Commandments, or, um, well, that that in particular. How would you how would you answer that? I will give you another non-controversial pronouncement. Okay, good. The Bible does not affirm a right to life, hmm. and I say that without fear, well, I wouldn't say without fear of contradiction, but without fear of knowledgeable contradiction. <laughs> because, you know, if you, you read uh, thou shalt not kill, which really should be thou shalt not murder. Right. What's the difference between killing and murdering? Murder is killing that is not permitted. Mm. If, mm -hmm. if it's permitted, it's not murder. So <laughs> that's a kind of catch but then you know you read on and what do you do even already in the book of genesis in chapter nine where they talk about the man being made in the image of god right and right. that therefore anyone who sheds the blood of a man by a man shall his blood be shed mm -hmm. the penalty for murder is death mm -hmm. actually the penalty for almost everything in the hebrew bible is death 
not for property crimes, interestingly enough, but for all sorts of things down to collecting firewood on the Sabbath. Well, I definitely think that deserves capital punishment. Bring that back. For a child who curses his parents. Hmm. And without being too clear on what constitutes cursing, even. I'm not sure at what age that kicked in. Actually, I'm not sure that any of these laws were implemented at all. We don't really know most of the time. But they certainly have the death penalty all over the place. Uh, It would be extremely difficult to make a biblical case against the death penalty. And I don't think you could do it at all on the basis of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. But now, you know, times have changed. This was written long ago and in another country. And there were all sorts of circumstances that were taken for granted back then that aren't applicable really at all now. You know, as for example, in the case of abortion, you know, uh, nowadays there isn't a great fear of infant mortality. I mean, at least in the places we live, there may be parts of the world where that's still a factor. Uh, But, you know, when you have actually an overpopulated world, you know, it says in Genesis, increase and multiply and fill the earth. One of the loose ends that they forgot to put in is, you can stop now. (laughs) (laughs) Which many think is a point that we now have reached. in the only commandment we've been good at keeping. You know, the circumstances are very different. Um, nobody in the ancient world thought that, that a woman had rights. Right. Actually, nobody in the ancient world thought a woman had rights, period. Right. I'm not sure that the Bible really thought anybody had rights. And that, that's a very interesting question, I think. If I, if I have the, the strength and vitality to do another book, I think that's the one I'd like to do is the Bible and human rights. Huh. Hmm. Because a lot there's a lot in the Bible that's congenial to what we regard as human rights. Yeah. But on the bottom line, you know, it, they're, it, they're never presented as human rights. They're presented as divine command, hmm. as the will of God. It's mm-hmm. top down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's very different, and it's going to make all the difference in the world when you come to issues like abortion and homosexuality. So you know, where, where the argument, uh, say, for, for permitting abortion is yeah. very largely a matter of women's rights. Mm-hmm. Right. And that means, you know, what women want. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Should that be a consideration? Now, you see, in the Bible, it isn't. Yeah. Actually, what men want isn't that much of a consideration either. Right. But 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 even less so I would say <laughs> with women. That's that's kind of the, the situation. So that that's really, I think, the big shift that, that separates modernity from mm. the world. So help me think through then and help us think through our, our listeners, yeah. you know, so the ancient world was so different and the texts are artifacts of in of that ancient context yeah and so you know when what what wisdom 
you know, can we pull forward uh, and how do we contextualize that today? And then what are the limits of that? You know, I think that's, yeah. I, I think that's really a, a big part of what we're driving at. Well, you know, I think uh, any use of an ancient text requires interpretation. Yeah. And the use of a modern text requires interpretation. This is why we have all these problems going to the Supreme Court. Exactly. It's yeah. not the, the law is all that old, but yeah. everything is open to interpretation. Now, uh, and then the interpretation is always as, has the nature of a conversation. You know, we shouldn't come to the Bible and say, well, you know, we think this is simply a matter of a woman's right to choose. Yeah, because I mean, there may be another side to it. Mm. There may be other things that have to be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. But equally, we shouldn't come to the question and say the Bible doesn't acknowledge a woman's right to choose. Therefore, we don't either. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was a conference at Yale uh, last week on, on Yale and slavery. And I don't know if you are familiar with the name of Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, famous mm -hmm. Yale-based divine and slave owner mm -hmm. who said, well, the Bible permits slavery. Right. He actually was critical of the slave trade, you know, of capturing people to put them into slavery. But if there were slaves already, uh, fair game. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, this is kind of the power of context. Mm -hmm. Because this was a man who was surely trying to divine and do the will of God. But he was doing it, you know, through a very particular lens of cultural assumptions of, uh, of one time and place. And you see, I think that that becomes a problem. This is why, as I say, you need to, to hear the text, but you also need to hear, uh, you know, the contemporary. The context. Hmm. Yes, yeah. and, and yeah, you yeah. also, uh, you can't just rule out things like human desire. Uh, I mean, humans have, have decisions to make about these things. So, you know, the, the text is important because uh, even more in this case, the whole weight of Christian tradition, which would be very much against abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, we also have the whole post-enlightenment world and a very much changed world in terms of economic circumstances and, you know, uh, a woman's life in the modern world is a very different thing from what it was in antiquity. Um, so, you know, you need to consider all of those things. And so then, what, I, what I hear you saying, and, and unfortunately in the abortion debate, as, as in many other cultural yeah. war, you know, culture war issues, there are some very uh, extreme positions, right, on both the right and the yeah. left, and and they tend to be very absolute. You know, well, I'm right, and no one else, you know, who reads scripture yeah. can understand. You know, should come to any different opinion. What I hear you saying is it's more complex than that, including the issue of abortion, right? I mean, that as you just said, the church tradition, maybe not scripture itself, but the tradition uh, of the church has been really against abortion, and yet. Uh, there, uh, there may be some situations, uh, obviously, in the case of the life of the mother or whatever, where and and um, you know, given our contemporary context, where a, a Christian in good faith could argue that abortion may be a necessary evil, for instance. 
is that is that fair to say that it, it's more complex and we need to uh, interpret with that complexity in mind and in community and dialogue with others? And you know, I would also say we do not have a word of the Lord on the mm. subject. Now you know that may be on purpose. Mm. <laughs> you know that cert certain things may have been left open. Mm. Uh, but you know, I think. Um, there's something wrong if people lift something up as a litmus test for Christianity, mm. yeah. but it isn't even mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I mean, true. There's something wrong with that. And yeah. this yeah. isn't because I think there should be abortion on demand, because they don't. Uh, but, you know, it's not that simple. And it's right. not a matter right. of uh, a divine command on the matter. Right. You know, it comes back really to the burden is on us as human beings to decide what is good for society. Yeah. And there are different factors to be weighed in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Dang. And I would just say one other thing or ask yeah. one other question. And this yeah. is because you, you had done another uh, a video <laughs> for Yale Divinity School where you talk about uh, biblical values. And I thought you made an excellent point there that there are certain principles, biblical principles that yeah. we can use to guide us, such as uh, a call to justice, to, mm -hmm. to you know, work uh, for justice for the oppressed and the yeah. poor. That one, I think, is very clear, yeah. especially mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. For sure. I think yeah. it's by far and away the most like the clearest yeah. biblical value. Yeah. And if you just consider the number of passages devoted to it. Yep. Now, does that, can you apply that to abortion? Well, you see, what the problem you always run up against with abortion is when do you consider the fetus becomes a person? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, now, if you look at the history of that, you find actually for most of Western history, it's probably when the crown of the head appears. Hmm. You know, uh, now, in fairness, again, people didn't actually know a whole lot about life in the womb. And they weren't necessarily right on this. But even right through the Middle Ages, you know, that there was always the assumption that life, you know, that the fetus doesn't uh, become a human being right from conception. Now, if you move that, it becomes very nebulous as to where mm. you put the thing. And yeah. if a lot of times, they say in the rabbinic tradition, it was when the crown of the head appears. Huh. Now, again, I'm not especially advocating that. I'm just saying that it's something that people of goodwill can debate about. Yeah. And I would actually need want to know a lot more of the, the medical information on yeah. that and yeah. uh, you know but it's not something just to be be declared a priori yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. which you know is uh, is a bummer because I love certainty and I love to be right <laughs> and what I'm hearing you say <laughs> yes. but dang it I I have to have nuance and grace and be willing mm -hmm. to engage in dialogue with people um, and to assume good faith in others, um, which is something I think that 
has become less and less common in an increasingly polarized age. And this is just a reminder, again, of, I think, the complexity of ethics and living in a society and and in a, even within a faith community or, you know, a tradition or, or, you know, as broad as the Christian tradition or even within our own denominations or congregations, right? There, there are going to be differences of opinions uh, on these sorts of questions. And just keeping in mind what you said, John, that we don't have a word of the Lord on some of this stuff keeps us humble, I think. Mm-hmm. I wish. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't keep us humble. Absolutely at all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we pray for humility and for wisdom and for grace for one another as we uh, are in dialogue. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, thank you. I mean, this again, another really enlightening conversation and one that reminds us to to keep wrestling uh, in good faith and I and I think to 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 keep listening and caring for one another um, even when we disagree. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. And you can get high quality courses, commentaries, resources, videos, reflections, and much more at the newly relaunched Enter the Bible website at enterthebible.org. Thanks for joining us.